0: Church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's service.
1: I want you to turn with me to the Book of Luke, chapter one. I want to minister very simply from this passage of Scripture. There's very little doubt tonight, as we're in this building, that our uh, nation is in deep trouble. Our society is sick, immorality, ungodliness, uh, anarchy, rebellion, uh, various kinds of perversity or loose. I was just reading today, and uh, a man who uh, is being tried right now, a man named Dale Hosner. Uh, ha- A man who randomly, not because he was mad at uh, individuals, just randomly, with another man driving through the streets of Phoenix, uh, eight people died at his hand, and 12 more were wounded. We regularly read of uh, young children that are kidnapped, raped. I just this past year read about one as young as three years old, raped, raped. By a man, totally sick society. Can you say, "Amen"? Amen. However, there's some roots that are tied to this, and uh, here in this prophecy that I'm going to read tonight is a statement, and that statement has to do. It's rooted in one of the deep problems that we have today that I want to speak about, and there's a prophecy. This prophecy has to do with God healing the land. You know, in Second Chronicles 7, 14, God promises that if his people will humble themselves and pray, he'll heal their land. But here in this text, I want to point out to you a facet of the society in which we live, the truth of the role and principle that God has ordained uh, that is seriously in trouble tonight uh, and that is the fathers uh, men who will stand up be fathers men who will be men of God and will take responsibility we cannot heal everything that's wrong in society but if we'll yield our hearts to God he can heal can you say amen he can heal And I want to preach to you about fathers uh, tonight, healing a nation. If every individual here will take their role and responsibility, uh, it will go very far towards uh, bring the healing that our nation needs. Luke chapter 1 is a prophetic dimension that I want to share with you. Verse 13. This is, of course, to uh, Zechariah. He's ministering. The Lord is uh, uh, revealed to him through an angel. He's going to have a a son. That son is going to play a key part in the Messiah. And I want to read these verses. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many... We'll rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He'll also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want to talk to you for a moment about the divine structure that we find in the Word of God. This divine structure has been laid out by God, and in the earliest pages of the Bible, we find it written, there is a rule... And there is a relationship in Genesis 2 and verse 24 it says, for this purpose, a man shall leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, uh, and they too shall be one of flesh. And here's a foundational principle uh, that we need to look at uh, that I want to emphasize tonight. Uh, and someone has made a quote that is uh, very worthy. It says, if society is something that can be understood, uh, It must have structure, and if it has structure, it must have hierarchy. That's a 40-cylinder word that means headship uh, to you and I sitting in the pews tonight. Now, here's an unchangeable role. Look with me for a moment uh, at this word fathers that's found there uh, in verse 17, and as he uses that word, it focuses in on something that's very critical uh, to our society and something that's sadly lacking uh, uh, tonight in the book of Genesis chapter 17 in verse 5 said no longer shall your uh, 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 name be called Abram or a father a uh, 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 exalted father but you'll be called Abraham for i've made you a father of many nations, so here we have the principle: this is Abraham, the father of our faith, and here 's God visiting him, and as he visiting him, visits him, he is putting in him a dimension and a role, and that dimension is that from that moment God's touching his life, setting his destiny, and that destiny is going to be linked to the role that he 's going to play, and he 's going to function as a father. Now the New Testament picks this up and, and uh, leaves us some interesting statements. Uh, in Ephesians six one through four, the Bible says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is your first, co- which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath." Uh, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. One author made an interesting statement, said, One of the great achievements of Christianity and Judaism has been the stabilizing of male responsibility and giving it sacred meaning. Now think with me for a moment, because we're not just talking uh, about some uh, position that a man has taken. Uh, We're talking about a divine structure, and that divine structure and role is to play the role of a father, take headship uh, in the family, uh, and that headship uh, powerfully plays out uh, in the society in which we live. One author wrote these words that are well uh, worth noting said the motivation for male involvement in the family is about feeling and being needed. Some men feel indispensable in the workplace, but all can potentially feel that way at home. Here is where the language of equal regard may fail to inspire, whereas the language of headship motivates Headship language promotes male responsibility when it is framed by strong church-based teaching about what men owe their wives and children, about the value of the family. So here we have now a divine role. That divine role isn't simply an accident of nature. It isn't something that man has created upon his own. It is something that God has set in place and he's framed that uh, in the view of their eternal destiny uh, and his purpose for their lives. Listen to this quote. Men really have to give quite a lot uh, to women and, ch- and uh, to children in order to make the family life work. They have to give a, a, up a lot of autonomy, uh, lots of income." Now, I know that's a sad uh, statement for many of you who love uh, uh, motorcycles, off-road vehicles, guns, and all the toys. uh, But uh, if you're going to be a father, you're going to have to do that. uh, And that's bad news to all you bachelors. but, But let me encourage you, God did not create you to be a bachelor. Can you say amen? Now, God's going to hold you accountable. For that rule tonight, and this is what I want to focus on, and this is uh, uh, this is much more. You know, society does hold men responsible. We're uh, seeing uh, uh, in many cases where society is tracing men down, making them pay child support, which they don't want to pay. Yeah. But uh, think about that for a moment, because God holds you much more accountable uh, than society does uh, for support and for the neglect of your children. And Proverb 22 lays for us an interesting statement and says in verse 6, Train up a child uh, in the way he should go, and when he's old he will not depart from it. Uh, So here we have the role that we have. It's headship. That headship doesn't mean that you can swagger around the house uh, and growl uh, and demand uh, that people serve you. What it means is that you're going to provide uh, a, a providence for the home. You're going to give the home protection. You're going to give the home guidance. You're going to give it discipline. And most importantly tonight, uh, you're going to be an example uh, to that home in your language, in your attitude, in the habits that you embrace. Years ago, my wife and I, our first uh, pastor, we pastored a little church in Wickenburg, Arizona. And uh, there was a family that lived next door, and uh, they had several children. This was a very undisciplined home uh, and a very dysfunctional home. And uh, they had a little uh, child. His name was Johnny. He was as cute as a button, absolutely a stunningly handsome little boy. And I want to tell you that the language uh, that came out of that boy's mouth uh, would curl a hardened sailor's hair. Now, he didn't learn that uh, in Sunday school. He didn't learn that language uh, even in school because he didn't go to school yet. He learned that language in the home. uh, And as I I was remembering that, I thought uh, thought about this, and here's a father who had neglected the responsibility that was his. Uh, Even a sinner ought to to set a better example than that. Can you say amen? But here's this little boy, handsome as he could be. uh, Here's this little boy looking for an example. uh, And for him, this is what it was to be a man. Cuss words could come out. Filth could come out of your mouth in an unending stream. uh, And he learned that uh, from his father. Now think with me for a moment as I move on about the plague of curses that flows out, not just curse words, but spiritual curses and spiritual dimension. There's a stunning dimension tonight in the Word of God about generational curses that are transmitted. And in Exodus 20 and verse 6... Uh, the Bible makes a statement concerning this and says, uh, five I guess it is, uh, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now this links back to the text that we have. Uh, here's a prophecy, uh, and this prophecy is going to be uh, of the ministry of one that's coming uh, He's going to be a pace-setter and a forerunner and a forecaster of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, And a prophecy is going to go forth uh, that's going to speak to this curse uh, That is often transmitted down uh, in the generations. Uh, In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 2 says, One of illegitimate birth uh, shall not uh, enter into the congregation of the Lord to the tenth uh, generation. Now, these are sobering statements. Can you say amen? These are statements tonight that I did not make up or create. They came from the Word of God, and they're playing out in society tonight. We're dealing with the business of curses. Think with me for a moment, because a curse is something that has a spiritual dimension. A curse is demonic entities that have been given a legal right to pursue an individual Many times, because of their ancestry and their inherited back down from their ancestor, not that they can seize an individual and carry them off, uh, but they are given legal right to pursue and attempt to gain entity and control the lives of the uh, of the uh, of the descendants uh, of those who have brought upon uh, these uh, by their fathers a uh, moral. Uh, and a religious sin. Now think with me for a moment uh, about the historic uh, dimension of this. Uh, Bring it into the current uh, uh, society in which you and I live. uh, Then move it into the prophetic dimension and in the book of Malachi from which Luke quotes, uh, we find in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth uh, with a curse. Let's examine for a moment uh, some statistics uh, of the generation uh, in which you and I live. Illegitimate children uh, are a plague uh, upon the generation in which you and I live. Some statistics, and these may be dated uh, by a few years, uh, some statistics are that 82% uh, of uh, children born in the inner cities of America are born illegitimately. Now think about that with me for a moment, because that is not a light thing. The Bible says uh, that uh, shoving aside everything else— that a spiritual curse has been released and will be played out upon the lives of those. Those same statistics tell us that some 37% of Hispanic babies are born illegitimately. They're conceived and born illegitimately. At the same time, some 24% of white children are conceived and born illegitimately. And it was Daniel Patrick Moynihan who was a prominent senator from New York, uh, no longer alive, but he made a statement concerning this as he observed the curse that was working out in our society. And he said, when the white illegitimate rate reaches 27%, uh, it will be irreversible. Uh, It will be self-propagating. It will create such a flow that is moving in our society that there's nothing can be done uh, to reverse that. Now, the Plague that comes is because uh, this is producing fatherless homes. Fatherless homes uh, are homes uh, that are fighting and trying to swim upstream. Fatherless homes tonight, uh, in some circles, are a badge of honor. Uh, Many men uh, uh, feel that if they can conceive uh, as many illegitimate children as they can by as many mothers as they can, uh, this is some kind of a badge of honor. uh, But this kind of mentality is beginning to play out in our society, uh, and our prisons uh, are stark testimony uh, to this being played out in society because the overwhelming number of these prisoners who are in our prisons in America, come from fatherless homes. So tonight, as you and I are in this building, we want to have a challenge. And that challenge is one of the greatest challenges that we have today in our society. And that challenge is that men will take their place in the home... They will embrace the children that they have conceived. Uh, They will stay married to the women that they are married to. uh, And they will be true fathers, uh, not abdicating their responsibility, uh, but rise up and take a leadership role uh, and allow uh, uh, that home to function under the headship uh, that God has ordained, uh, not allowing the wife to rule the home. Come on now. Perk up. It takes more than just say, yeah, that's right, pastor, preach it. It takes doing it. I know your wife manipulates you. She, uh, she um, uh, various kinds of emotional things she does. To, uh, various, she uses sex as a weapon. All these things play out, and I could go on and on. But I want to tell you that God places you in a role in a home. And that role is to be the father of that home and to function in that role as headship. I was back in Cape Cod, Massachusetts a few years ago. This is when the Toronto uh, uh, Pensacola insanity was loose. We had a church back there and a pastor that got into it. And uh, we were having a conference in Cape Cod, uh, uh, Massachusetts. And I observed something that was very interesting. I was sitting in the back uh, during the song service uh, And in that church, uh, they don't uh, stand to sing. I don't have any argument with you. If you stand to sing, I stand to sing. When you come to mind, we sit and tell you when to to stand. But I observed this happening because three of those people that were into this uh, spirit, they were there. And there's an interesting thing about that uh, that spirit. It wants to dominate. Can you say amen? And so I'm sitting on the back. I'm watching. uh, The song service stood. Three people stood up, a woman and two men. Man on this side, men on this side, a woman. But one of the men remained standing, uh, sitting rather. He he, he, he wouldn't, nobody else was standing. He wasn't going to stand. And so it was so interesting to watch that. I'm sitting on the back. I'm a very perceptive person. Uh, and as I was sitting there, they're up, they're, they're, uh, they're dancing, they're carrying on. He's just sitting. And then Mama turned and looked at him. And you could almost see it. No nookie for you, buddy. He jumped right up. You see, there's an interesting thing uh, that happens in the dynamics of society. Many homes today are cursed. Not because uh, there can be nothing done about it, but because men would not take responsibility and function in the home as fathers. They will not take their role. Let me quickly move to the point this evening. I want to talk to you about a glorious promise that is in this passage of Scripture. And the Bible says in this prophecy that the gospel... Triggered a tremendous blessing in society. And one of those things that are spoken about is the breaking of curses. Aren't you glad for that tonight? That you and I, thank God for that. You and I. We're not victimed by those deeds of our forefathers. Can you say amen? We now may not be able to uh, uh, to prevent what has taken place in our forefathers, uh, but the Bible says in Galatians three thirteen, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone that hangs uh, on a tree." Now, in a fatherless home, there's something is triggered, and that which is triggered is a spirit of rejection that dominates. Uh, Any man that is born in a fatherless home, that spirit is triggered into them automatically. Something begins to take place. It begins to affect their role in serving God. It begins to affect how they position themselves in the family. It begins to affect how they are discipled. Because a man who comes from a fatherless home or dysfunctional home becomes a victim to uh, this spirit uh, as it begins to play out. uh, And as it begins to play out, uh, they resist correction uh, and they hate authority. This is an automatic thing that is triggered in a fatherless home uh, and a man who's raised uh, in a fatherless home. Something's imparted in that home. And what is imparted is a feeling of rejection and that feeling of rejection plays out in the major part of their life. uh, And I'm talking to many men here tonight that this dominates and rules your life. Uh, It torments you. Uh, It disturbs the processes of of discipleship. Uh, And I want to speak to you. Good news, uh, because this prophecy that we have uh, is that healing uh, and deliverance uh, and blessing is prophesied uh, by uh, the wonderful spirit uh, that is triggered uh, in the annunciation and the fulfillment of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wonderful promises to us tonight. Can you say amen? God is at work. Now listen to this tremendous statement that is made, the spirit uh, and power of Elijah Not only is involved in the annunciation of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in John the Baptist, but it is a fulfillment of God's blessing of breaking curses. Uh, And verse 17 says, He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Or in other words, uh, there's something about the gospel of Christ, uh, there's something about the spirit uh, that's involved in the gospel of Christ that will restore manhood to mankind and will raise up uh, and enable people to function in the role that God has ordained for them and break the curse uh, of rejection uh, uh, tonight. Very interesting uh, what men are doing to uh, try to produce men. I've, I've got one article uh, that uh, groups of men uh, go out into the woods and beat their chest. Oh! It's going to take more than that, dude. You know. Can you say men? One of our uh, departed brethren, they uh, uh, they tell me, uh, often goes on little safaris out in the wilderness and, and uh, calls survivor. And recently he almost died. They had to take him out by helicopter, he almost didn't survive. And the whole point of that is rugged uh, uh, individualism, and you survive, uh, it'll make you a real man. I was reading about a conference where they're uh, gathering Christian men together, and uh, the speaker's saying, listen, listen, you know, we know what men are. Men are just men, and uh, so you need to learn to cuss. He strung off some curse word to show you. you can be a Christian and still cuss. Not in my church you can When I used to have time, I used to go rabbit hunting. One of the first things we do before we set off on the safari is uh, go take a pee. And I often say, it's wonderful to pee on the ground like a real man. (laughs) But it takes more than peeing on the ground to make you man. Can you say amen? Here's a spiritual dimension. The spirits of dimension is this spirit, uh, this spirit of Elijah. He shall go before him in the the spirit uh, of Elijah and the power of Elijah. So what we're dealing with is manhood being restored in this prophecy. What is manhood anyway? Manhood is a man who can touch God. Can you touch God tonight? Manhood is a man who can pray and God listens and answers his prayer. Manhood tonight is a man who has some guts called courage, chutzpah or whatever whatever else it's going to be, hair on his chest or whatever the spiritual uh, connotation is. He got guts. Elijah had guts. Elijah could pray and God would answer. Elijah was a man who stood up to Ahab and 450 prophets of Baal. But most importantly tonight, uh, Elijah had something that he could impart, and he imparted that spirit and that power to a disciple whose name uh, was Elisha. Elijah inspired a following. All of these things uh, are a uh, part of manhood, uh, And lastly, as we read the story of this man, he's a man that was ready to be caught up. And when the chariot came down from heaven and swept him up, he was a man that was prepared to be caught up. I wonder tonight as you're sitting in this building if any of those fit your personality and your station as we're sitting here tonight. Do you pray do you have a dimension that you can impart? Do you tonight uh, inspire a following by anybody? Yet? Do you take the responsibility as a man tonight? Uh, because the key tonight is that uh, you will appropriate what God has for you uh, in the wonderful gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, because as you take responsibility, uh, God uh, will make you a man. I'm talking about a spiritual dimension. I'm not talking about going howling out in the woods. I'm not talking about peeing on the ground. I'm not talking about cussing. I'm talking about a spiritual dimension that God will impart to you tonight, breaking a curse and enabling you to take your responsibility and your role. I can't change the way that you were born. I can't change tonight the home that you grew up in. But I can proclaim to you that God can intervene tonight. Hallelujah. God can intervene tonight. And in the Bible is a wonderful verse of Scripture. says, my son, give me your heart. Tonight, if you're willing to do that, God can powerfully move in your behalf. One last scripture. It's found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35, verse 8 and 9 and 19. Here's a group of people, and I have an article with me that I don't want to take time to read, about a man who visited in a place in the Middle East and ran across some of these descendants, some 60,000 strong, who proudly uh, pointed him back to this verse of Scripture and heritage. Uh, Listen to it. These uh, are found in uh, Jeremiah 35. Thus we've obeyed the voice of Jonadab, uh, the son of Rechab, our father, In all that he charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughter, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do we have vineyard, field, or seed. Therefore, thus says the Lord of all, the God of Israel, Jonadab, uh, the son of Rechab, shall not like a man to stand before me forever. And this man located uh, the descendants of these uh, And they lived in a certain area of the Middle East and said, we're 60,000 strong. And they said, we're the descendants of our father, Jonadab. Now think about this for a moment, because here's a man that had something to impart. What he imparted was headship. And that headship was so powerful that here, centuries later, they're still embracing and claim to be uh, a child uh, of uh, Jonadab, uh, their father. Now, tonight, I want to tell you that this dimension uh, can be imparted. This dimension, father, I wonder tonight uh, where you're functioning. Maybe you're single tonight. Well, you ought to get married. But many of you are sitting here, and you are part of a family, I want to challenge you about the dimension that God can give you to impart. My son and I have ministered the last two years in uh, in uh, Walthamstow in London, England. And the pastor, uh, uh, Nigel Brown, uh, said to me, he's eager to have us back. And he said to me, our congregation and our men in this rally, it was all around the, the London area and even other areas, they came into to these uh, rallies, and we did men's discipleship classes uh, during the day. And he said, I want you and your son to come back because when you came, there was something so unique about you and your son. We were just acting normal. We were answering questions at the end of the seminars, and we were joking and uh, and uh, and so on. And he said, these men thought that was such a phenomena because most of them come from fatherless homes. What a blessing. What a blessing to have a son that you can impart something to that somebody can, without even saying, they can observe and see there's been a spiritual dimension that has been transmitted, that's only because the curse is broken and Jesus Christ has been made Lord of lords and king of kings. I wonder tonight, as you're sitting in this place, if that if that impressed that man, if I am proud and impressed of my son, how much more would God be of you if you're crying out to God, saying, Oh, God, I want you to make me a genuine son and a father, and I want you to be my father tonight. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed.
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org.